section seven of egypt africa and arabia this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the world's story volume three egypt africa and arabia edited by eva march tappan section seven the king's palace and his attendants by g maspero the royal residence could be immediately distinguished by the projecting balconies on its facade from which as from a tribune pharaoh could watch the evolutions of his guard the stately approach of foreign envoys egyptian nobles seeking audience or such officials as he desired to reward for their services they advanced from the far end of the court stopped before the balcony and after prostrating themselves stood up bowed their heads wrung and twisted their hands now quickly now slowly in a rhythmical manner and rendered worship to their master chanting his praises before receiving the necklaces and jewels of gold which he presented to them by his chamberlains or which he himself deigned to fling to them it is difficult for us to catch a glimpse of the detail of the internal arrangements we find however mention made of large halls resembling the hall of atuma in the heavens whither the king repaired to deal with state affairs in council to dispense justice and sometimes also to preside at state banquets long rows of tall columns carved out of rare woods and painted with bright colours supported the roofs of these chambers which were entered by doors inlaid with gold and silver and encrusted with malachite or lapis lazuli the private apartments the aconuity were entirely separate but they communicated with the queen's dwelling and with the harem of the wives of inferior rank the royal children occupied a quarter to themselves under the care of their tutors they had their own houses and a train of servants proportionate to their rank age and the fortune of their mother's family the nobles who had appointments at court and the royal domestics lived in the palace itself but the offices of the different functionaries the storehouses for their provisions the dwellings of their employees formed distinct quarters outside the palace grouped around narrow courts and communicating with each other by a labyrinth of lanes or covered passages the entire building was constructed of wood or bricks less frequently of roughly dressed stone badly built and wanting in solidity the ancient pharaohs were no more inclined than the sultans of later days to occupy palaces in which their predecessors had lived and died each king desired to possess a habitation after his own heart one which would not be haunted by the memory or perchance the double of another sovereign 
these royal mansions hastily erected hastily filled with occupants were vacated and fell into ruin with no less rapidity they grew old with their master or even more rapidly than he and his disappearance almost always entailed their ruin in the neighbourhood of memphis many of these palaces might be seen which their short-lived masters had built for eternity an eternity which did not last longer than the lives of their builders nothing could present a greater variety than the population of these ephemeral cities in the climax of their splendour we have first the people who immediately surrounded the pharaoh the retainers of the palace and of the harem whose highly complex degrees of rank are revealed to us on the monuments his person was as it were minutely subdivided into departments each requiring its attendants and their appointed chiefs his toilet alone gave employment to a score of different trades there were royal barbers who had the privilege of shaving his head and chin hairdressers who made curled and put on his black or blue wigs and adjusted the diadem to them there were manicurists who pared and polished his nails perfumers who prepared the scented oils and pomades for the anointing of his body the coal for blackening his eyelids the rouge for spreading on his lips and cheeks his wardrobe required a whole troop of shoemakers belt-makers and tailors some of whom had the care of stuffs in the piece others presided over the body linen while others took charge of his garments comprising long or short transparent or thick petticoats fitting tightly to the hips or cut with ample fullness draped mantles and flowing pelisses side by side with these officials the laundresses plied their trade which was an important one among a people devoted to white and in whose estimation want of cleanliness in dress entailed religious impurity like the fallaheen of the present time they took their linen daily to wash in the river they rinsed starched smoothed and pleated it without intermission to supply the incessant demands of pharaoh and his family the task of those set over the jewels was no easy one when we consider the enormous variety of necklaces bracelets rings earrings and sceptres of rich workmanship which ceremonial costume required for particular times and occasions the guardianship of the crowns almost approached to the dignity of the priesthood for was not the uraeus which ornamented each one a living goddess the queen required numerous waiting-women and the same ample number of attendants were to be encountered in the establishments of the other ladies of the harem troops of musicians singers dancers and almas whiled away the tedious hours supplemented by buffoons and dwarfs the great egyptian lords evinced a curious liking for these unfortunate beings and amused themselves by getting together the ugliest and most deformed creatures they are often represented on the tombs beside their masters in company with his pet dog or a gazelle or with a monkey which they sometimes hold in leash or sometimes are engaged in teasing sometimes the pharaoh bestowed his friendship on his dwarfs and confided to them occupations in his household one of them 
Kanumhatpu died superintendent of the royal linen the staff of servants required for supplying the table exceeded all the others in number it could scarcely be otherwise if we consider that the master had to provide food not only for his regular servants but for all those of his employees and subjects whose business brought them to the royal residence even those poor wretches who came to complain to him of some more or less imaginary grievance were fed at his expense while awaiting his judicial verdict head cooks butlers pantlers butchers pastry cooks fishmongers game or fruit dealers if we enumerated them all we should never come to an end the bakers who baked the ordinary bread were not to be confounded with those who manufactured biscuits the makers of pancakes and doughnuts took precedence of the cake bakers and those who concocted delicate fruit preserves ranked higher than the common dryer of dates if one had held a post in the royal household however low the occupation it was something to be proud of all one's life and after death to boast of in one's epitaph the chiefs to whom this army of servants rendered obedience at times rose from the ranks on some occasion their master had noticed them in the crowd and had transferred them some by a single promotion others by slow degrees to the highest offices of the state many among them however belonged to old families and held positions in the palace which their fathers and grandfathers had occupied before them some were members of their provincial nobility distant descendants of former royal princes and princesses more or less nearly related to the reigning sovereign they had been sought out to be the companions of his education and of his pastimes while he was still living an obscure life in the house of the children he had grown up with them and had kept them about his person as his sole friends and counsellors he lavished titles and offices upon them by the dozens according to the confidence he felt in their capacity or to the amount of faithfulness with which he credited them a few of the most favoured were called masters of the secret of the royal house they knew all the innermost recesses of the palace all the passwords needed in going from one part of it to another the place where the royal treasures were kept and the modes of access to it several of them were masters of the secret of all the royal words and had authority over the high courtiers of the palace which gave them the power of banishing whom they pleased from the person of the sovereign upon others devolved the task of arranging his amusements they rejoiced the heart of his majesty by pleasant songs while the chiefs of the sailors and soldiers kept watch over his safety to these active services were attached honorary privileges which were highly esteemed such as the right to retain their sandals in the palace while the general crowd of courtiers could only enter unshod that of kissing the knees and not the feet of the good god and that of wearing the panther's skin among those who enjoyed these distinctions were the physicians of the king chaplains and men of the roll Hobby. the latter did not confine themselves to the task of guiding pharaoh through the intricacies of ritual nor to that of prompting him with the necessary formulae needed to make the sacrifice efficacious they were styled masters of the secrets of heaven 
those who see what is in the firmament on the earth and in hades those who know all the charms of the soothsayers prophets or magicians the laws relating to the government of the seasons and the stars presented no mysteries to them neither were they ignorant of the months days or hours propitious to the undertakings of everyday life or the starting out on an expedition nor of those times during which any action was dangerous they drew their inspirations from the books of magic written by thought which taught them the art of interpreting dreams or of curing the sick or of invoking and obliging the gods to assist them and of arresting or hastening the progress of the sun on the celestial ocean some are mentioned as being able to divide the waters at their will and to cause them to return to their natural place merely by means of a short formula an image of a man or animal made by them out of enchanted wax was imbued with life at their command and became an irresistible instrument of their wrath popular stories reveal them to us at work is it true said cheops to one of them that thou canst replace a head which has been cut off on his admitting that he could do so pharaoh immediately desired to test his power bring me a prisoner from prison and let him be slain the magician at this proposal exclaimed nay nay not a man sire my master do not command that this sin should be committed a fine animal will suffice a goose was brought its head was cut off and the goose was placed on the right side and the head of the goose on the left side of the hall he recited what he recited from his book of magic the goose began to hop about the head moved similarly and when one was united to the other the goose began to cackle a pelican was produced and underwent the same process his majesty then caused a bull to be brought forward and its head was smitten to the ground the magician recited what he recited from his book of magic the bull at once arose and he replaced on it what had fallen to the earth the great lords themselves deigned to become initiated into the occult sciences and were invested with these formidable powers a prince who practised magic would enjoy amongst us nowadays but small esteem in egypt sorcery was not considered incompatible with royalty and the magicians of pharaoh often took pharaoh himself as their pupil such were the king's household the people about his person and those attached to the service of his family End of section seven this recording is in the public domain